Welcome to the Ashley Webster Experience. Thanks once again for joining us. I'm alongside, I'm not going to say my trusted producer, Brian Solomon, because Solomon, because my wife says when I call you my trusted, period, you sound like a horse, she said, <laughs> and you're not a trusted steed. You are indeed a producer, so I'll just say well, thank you. my esteemed colleague, thank you. Brian I am Stallion, Solomon. Though, well, we're not going to get into that, uh, Brian, but thank you for mentioning <laughs> it. Uh, our guest today uh, is Carolina Fernandez. Uh, Carolina, thank you very much for being here on the it's podcast. You know, the great thing about life is uh, we're not always sure where it's going to take us, certainly not me, a young kid born in Brighton, England. What a crazy ride I've had. But reading your notes, Carolina, you've had a pretty wild ride as well. There's not too many people who have been a financial advisor. You've been in the finance world. You're actually an artist, a terrific mm. artist. You love to draw flowers and all sorts of amazing paintings. And now you're on this incredible adventure of creating a business and working with the people of Rwanda mm. in Africa. I mean, that's a strange beginning and ending, and I'm fascinated by it. But as always, the best place to begin is the the beginning. Um, you were in the financial world, is that correct? That's where was, you began. I was. And how long for? So I came out of uh, business school and started at IBM and realized very quickly that was not for me. And I went back to school, punted, started a doctorate in business, and then kind of got lured into uh, municipal bonds, government securities. So I did that. Oh, the heavy that was stuff. My sta- that was my start on, a, on an institutional trading desk. And I went from there to Merrill Lynch. That was in the 80s mm-hmm. and did that for a number of years. And then when we decided it was time to start a family, I stepped back for 19 years, raised four kids, uh, lived in, I think, 13 homes. Oh, my goodness. I was goodness. married to Mr. I've wow. been moved. <laughs> and <laughs> dogs, gerbils, fish, Russian dwarf hamsters, all that. And then when the littlest one went to middle school, I, I decided to go back to work. And I, I, I went back to the only thing I really knew at that point from a career you know, perspective, mm-hmm. which was financial services. But that really wasn't your passion. Uh, you know, I, I, I was always told to seek wise counsel and I sought the counsel of a lot of friends that we really considered wise. And they all said, you know, you love people. You're good with numbers. You mm. did it before. You were successful. Why don't you do it again? And, um, you know, it had its moments. So I was really disillusioned by that business. So I got out in um, December 31, 2012. You remember that date well, I can uh, tell. I, well, I remember, <laughs> I remember the, the Great Recession of twenty. You know, two oh eight, and yes. um, that was that was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that throughout was all this ridiculous. time, uh, Carolina, you're an artist, and, mm-hmm. and I've seen your work, and and you have an artist studio, and it mm-hmm. seems like you're constantly putting thoughts on, <laughs> down on 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 your canvas. Yeah, has that always been a part of your life? Uh, I think it became really a part of my life when I had start. You know, had kids. Mm. I, I was much more singular in my focus before I became a mom, and something about you know moving a lot, being married to a guy who you know business guy, not home a lot, four kids. They all had different interests. I I think that that my home really became my playground, and I think that's where I really started you know developing life as an artist and it's it's a pretty awesome it's good for the it's soul it's a pretty awesome mm-hmm. place to be yeah. yeah yeah it really is now let's get to the to the real story yeah. here which i absolutely find fascinating um you are now uh helping uh the people of rwanda in certain parts of rwanda 
in an amazing way, mm. uh, and we'll get into that into a minute. But but first off, I should ask you, why Rwanda? How the heck did this yeah. come about in the first yeah. place? You know, um, if you had asked me to find Rwanda on a map back then, I, I, I honestly couldn't. Um, I knew about as much about Rwanda as the average American, Hotel Rwanda, the genocide. I knew nothing about Rwanda, and I was never a person who had a heart for Africa. And I'm I'm almost embarrassed to admit that. I never really had a heart for the poor, and that sounds terrible. Um, I, I always felt so disconnected to the poor. I, I didn't really know poor people. And so I never really developed that much compassion for them. And mm. that, that sounds horrible, and I hate to even confess it. But, you know, we gave to charities that, that helped the poor, mm-hmm. but I never really had a personal connection. So our daughter went to Babson College, which is known for entrepreneurship, and they asked us to make a pretty significant contribution to the school. And my husband and I said, you know, we'd like to be thoughtful about that. And what we landed on was, because of my work in finance and because I saw so few women continue in that career, uh, and because of the fact that Babson was founded, like most New England schools, on faith, which no one there ever talks about, all they talk about is entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. we said, you know, it would be interesting to us if you could find something that we could contribute to that was at the intersection of women and leadership, which I was a huge proponent and still am of, women's empowerment, and faith. And they came back to us and they said, you know, we're getting ready to send 10 women to Rwanda to teach entrepreneurship to about 500 kids in a school. Um, they need money to go over there. Would you consider supporting them? Mm-hmm. We said, and they, he said, they stay in, they're staying in a convent. We're not Catholic, but we are Christians. And we said, you know, that, that sounds about as good as it's going to get from Baptist. Yeah. So we said, sure. So a few days later, he called and said, would you like to go? And, you know, I was working as a financial advisor. I had clients. It wasn't like I could just take off and yeah. go to Rwanda. But I did. And it was life-altering. I mean, I've never been the same. What were you? Yeah, what were you expecting to find, and what did you find? Yeah, you know, I had done uh, mission work before with different aid organizations. I'd been to Costa Rica, you know, saw so, so, you know vulnerable communities there, and, and and Panama. I was, you know, in a community 240 miles from civilization. I'd seen extreme poverty before, but I think the reason it was so different for me there is because of what they had come through. I mean, they lost a million people in the genocide, and I just couldn't get over how the people there were so happy, so kind, so warm and gracious. And I thought, gosh, you have been through an absolute nightmare. Mm. And to come out of it at the other end, just feeling so happy and positive. So those people taught me so much. And, um, you know, that first trip I... I drove through, I mean, I had a driver, and I, mm-hmm. I was driven through the, the entire countryside of Rwanda. I saw teeny little villages that if you blink, you'd pass them by, and, the, you know, Kigali, the capital. And uh, I just was taken by its raw beauty. It's one of the most naturally beautiful places on, on mm. earth, just it, just raw beauty. So what exactly are you involved there? Yeah. Uh, what do you do, yeah. and how does, it, how does it all work? Yeah, so what happened was that first trip – uh, you know, I went and I kind of was like a little, you know, goodwill ambassador for Babson College slash, you know, kind of semi-chaperone for these 10 gals. And the last day I was there, the head sister came up to me and she called me in her office. I felt like I was going to the principal's office. And, and I, she said, I need you. We we want to build a bakery in this little village. This is a little village. A bakery. A bakery. 
So the, the, the cornerstone of our, our story really revolves, starts with and revolves around Sister Augusta. And it's too long of a story for this podcast, but mm. I'll just say that she had a vision to build a bakery to feed the people in her village. And she actually went to Babson from Rwanda. Babson said, if you can get here, we'll feed you, clothe you, shoe you, teach you. And she learned entrepreneurship and some management skills. And she went back to Rwanda. And so now she had this vision that was coming closer to fruition. She had a business plan. Mm. They just lacked seed capital. And it just, it really touched me. So we, um, we, we donated the seed capital for, the, for that bakery. And that was at the end of 2012. And how's it grown from there? Well, it's just an incredible story. Um, we went back in 2014 to check on it. They said, you know, we're going to have a ribbon cutting ceremony. And, you know, we're anonymous donors. We, we, the, the, the baker's name, the Benebacura Sisters Bakery, our name is nowhere to be found, and that's how we want it. And we kind of walked in the bakery, and I, I said to my husband, I said, I don't smell any bread. It, it doesn't smell like a bakery. And it turned out that they lacked, at the end of the day, they had the building, they had the commercial equipment, they had they had everything, the, the pans, the trays, the ta- they didn't have the power. They didn't have oh. enough power to get the bakery up. Huh. So we we're like, oh, you know, only in Africa, like TIA, this is Africa. And <laughs> and so we we got that resolved. We actually had a couple. How did you do that? How did you go about it? We actually asked for a couple other donors to contribute to the cost of hiring an electrician, getting Very more good. power in there, blah, blah, blah. And then um, by 2015, it was operational. You could smell the bread. <laughs> by 2015, you could smell the bread. And uh, we just went back in May. I've been twice now. I went in May and I went again in June. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the June trip. But in May, my husband and I went and we were just overjoyed to see that they now employ 12 full-time people, 10 to 12 part-time. Mm. They feed 4,200 children a week. They produce 39,000 pieces of bread a week. Annualize about a million and a half pieces of bread a year. This is one bakery. This is one bakery. They use the profits for scholarships. So they scholarship three to four university and three to four high school students a year. Wow. It's a remarkable story. It really it is. is. And, is it growing, and is it growing from there? Caroline? It's growing from there. Uh, we went back. You know, what, what we Americans need to be so careful of, we are, I think, so guilty of this, and I am as well, is to think that, you know, hey, we've got, you know, the knowledge base, we've got the skill set, we've got the background. Like, mm. if you have a problem, we can fix it. And honestly, they know what they need better than anybody else. And so we we were fully prepared back in 2015 to start a second bakery. We're like, hey, this one's, this one's going great. What they really needed was a cargo van. They kept getting tickets from the police because they were transporting bread like in the back of a pickup truck. And so we bought them a cargo van. Then now two little, you know, retail outposts like, you know, like a Dunkin' Donuts or outpost, Mm -hmm. but it's not the real bakery. Mm -hmm. Those have been built and serving a lot of a lot of communities. And now we just seeded the second wholesale bakery. Is is something like this because you know you say it's involved with Babson? Yes. Do you think that this is the path that you know colleges and universities should go to? You know, trying to go to different places, creating something mm-hmm. that is needed instead mm-hmm. of getting. We've we've covered on on Varney and Company and other yeah. TV shows how so many college campuses are getting so political. Yes. Right, and obviously 
young people do need to learn politics. Yes. But is this a path that you think should be more involved in Mm -hmm. young students' lives? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The reason that Babson can continue to be involved with us, and and they don't donate per se to this cause. Mm -hmm. So far, my husband and I have been the only donors. We are seeking donors. But we decided um, with their blessing after they said that they would help in sending students to Africa and helping them teach entrepreneurship to others, that they could be a legal collaborator. And so um, what they have promised is that they will teach. I mean, we all believe that entrepreneurship grows the whole pie. And I think what a lot of people, myself included, until this adventure began, I believed in aid. I believed in charity, and I've come to believe that relief aid, you know, after a natural disaster, when true relief aid is needed, Mm -hmm. that's a really critical, you know, thing. But aid per se tends to create not only a cycle of dependency, but it also sometimes has um, unexpected consequences. You know, you send shoes to a village, and now... Every kid has shoes, and the and the village shoemaker is, is out of work. Mm. You know, Rwanda will not accept mm-hmm. used clothing because they want the women to learn how to sew their own clothing. So I think if more students could understand what growing businesses in vulnerable communities could do, mm-hmm. we could really get them excited about doing work in other parts of the world. So when are you going back again, Carolyn? Well, I think I'm going back in November, and I, I'm hoping I can take a, uh, a few women with me to, yeah. to you know, look at the projects and see if they'd be willing to offer some support. It really is remarkable. Now, you, I hear that you've traveled around the country mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, literally. Yeah, literally. That, to me, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I kind mm-hmm. of think, okay, that could be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, I'm you're so You're blonde. You're so far from home. You yeah. stand out like a sore thumb. I do. Does that ever cross your mind? Uh, Not to be negative, but it is something that you think about. You know, and uh, my son, one of our sons is in the Navy. And uh, (laughs) when he found out, he was at the Naval Academy when I went the first time. When he found out that I was going to Rwanda by myself, unprotected, he about lost it. I, I did have two experiences that did send, you know, chills up my spine, but they were not well-founded. They were they were founded in my imagination. Mm. Um, Rwanda is actually a really safe country. I think it's listed as the second safest country in all of Africa. Mm. Um, and I nobody tra- knows that. Uh, nobody, nobody knows that. I, know. <laughs> I, tra- I travel there now probably a little bit too carefree mm. because I've made friends there and I have a network and um, I... You're comfortable I'm there. I'm really comfortable there. It, 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 I've, I'm becoming Rwandan. Um, <laughs> they call it Rwanda drunk. When you have gone enough times that you just absolutely fall in love yeah. with yeah. the country and the people, they call it Rwanda drunk. And I'm I'm Rwanda drunk. Um, and I, I, I would like to get the message out that um, it is a really safe country to go to. And every time I go back... I see more and more business people from all around the world mm-hmm. who are investing there. Mm-hmm. And I know they're investors because they're having coffee over, you know, a business plan. I mean, I, I can I can see yeah. the activity there. You know, you told me a story we met recently and, and, and 
if I remember right, I could be getting the story mm-hmm. wrong, but you'd met some Rwandan people and you said, hey, if you're ever in the States, <laughs> yes. look, just get in contact. We'd be great to see you. And next thing you know, you have a couple of Rwandan guys show up at your doorstep yeah. and ended up staying for what? Nine, nine weeks. weeks. Yeah. Whoa. Um, when you, when you, <laughs> I had not been to Africa before. And apparently if you tell someone that, hey, if you're ever in the, in the States, look me up, that kind of means you've adopted them. And I, you know, I went to the Generous. I went the first time by myself. My husband was not with me, so he had no perspective on Rwanda. Yeah. And I got a call from these two. Turns out they are the rock star artists in Rwanda. And I got a call saying they were coming. I said, "Hey, Ernie, um, I think we might have some house guests yeah. from Ernie, Rwanda." Ernie, your Ernie my husband. And he said, "Oh, you know, how long do you think they'll stay?" I said, "Yeah, how long could they stay? I mean, like, what, what two days?" And they used their home base Tried for nine, nine, <laughs> nine weeks. But they weren't there for nine weeks straight. They mm-hmm. were doing um, artists and residencies at different mm-hmm. colleges and stuff. And they have since become like my sons. We, they, they, they are family. They are, they are, they are truly family. Mm-hmm. Is Rwanda uh, uh, perhaps a, a case study of what Africa could be? I mean, it's got yeah. a long way to go, but yeah. I've said this to you before, too. Yeah. It's a frustration. Africa's always had all the potential in the world yeah. and for whatever reason has never been able to fulfill mm-hmm. it in, in, in the true form of yeah. that. It's, I don't yeah. know whether it's corruption within the government mm-hmm. or what it is, mm-hmm. but as a continent, it's struggled yeah. to really yeah. you know, I, I gain think, traction. I think there still is a pretty high level of, of corruption at the, at the highest government level. Yeah. Levels. And I think, you know, obviously that that stifles growth mm. um, in Rwanda. They have decided uh, their, their leadership and, and Kagame's doing a, an amazing job and everybody just loves him. He's the president, the president, Paul Kagame. Uh-huh. He um, he's decided that when Rwanda rebuilds, we're going to rebuild with STEM. Now, of course, I wish they rebuild with steam and add an art component, but everybody there is learning technology and computer skills, science, engineering, math, you know, traditional STEM subjects. And um, they are, they're on a, they're on a, I mean, they're on a storm, man. They are just, they're moving forward, but they're really stressing business and business growth and, and they, investment, investment, and they stress self responsibility they they're not interested in handouts they're interested in hands up and that's what our work is all about give people opportunities for work preserve the dignity of every human being through opportunity for work not through a you know handouts so recently in may we had an epiphany to start this for-profit business right and um do you want to get into that a little I, bit I, more? I, I'll, or? I'll talk about it a little bit. We're not launching till early 2019. All right, so we don't want to give away any secrets. Yeah, I don't or? want to give away my, my secret sauce. But um, the, the, <laughs> the it, women there are acculturated from the time they're little girls to work with their hands. And so we are using the artistry of, of women in Rwanda who are very empowered by work. Um, Two-thirds of all Rwandan households are headed by women, and they tend to be really good money managers. And um, we are we are using women to do work in 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 the traditional sense that mm. they've been a culture to do, um, bringing out a product line that we think is unique and no one has done yet. And uh, we'll we'll sell that on an e-commerce site. Hopefully, uh, first quarter. Well, that's very exciting yeah. too. Very exciting. It's another it connection is. between you. It is and Rwanda. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 
when you are really living on point is when you can match your passion with your purpose. I mean, that's a really a cliche. Everybody talks about that. Good motto. Um, <laughs> but, you know, my husband's a business guy. I, You know, I kind of fake it as a, you know, <laughs> if, I mean, I'm really a true artist at yeah. heart. So we really are a good team about marrying form and function. You know, he, he, the, the bakeries is our, that's our function. Like, let no person go hungry. The product line is the form. I am so motivated to create beauty everywhere and inspire that in other people. That, like, that's my life mission. So what the business really does is it marries our desire for feeding, you know, just the basic, mm. like, let's, let, come on, we c- no one should be going hungry with let's make the world a more beautiful place. So at what point are you going to buy a home in Rwanda? Has it gotten well, to that stage? Well, it's at, I have a little apartment under ah. construction right now. Do you? Wow. I do. I do. Could uh, you have ever imagined? No, not in a gajillion years. And this is a country, as we know, has gone through so much upheaval, the yes. genocide of the early 90s. But since then, it's come back. I was looking up some facts on Rwanda. Mm-hmm. The, the life expectancy in 2000 was just 46. Yep. It's that up to, right. but it's up to sixty now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last three years, we don't have the exact the, la- the mm-hmm. latest numbers, but that's really quite remarkable. It is. Tourism has been a tremendous boon yes. for Rwanda, especially the mountain gorillas. There's yes. a lot of tourism, which I saw. You've done that. I've done I bet that. That is truly magical. It right? is. It is. An, it's a once in a lifetime experience. It's just incredible. I, you know, you can hire these guys. They're called pushers. And they literally, I hope I can say this on air, they go they go <laughs> underneath you and they push your butt yeah. up the mountain because it's straight up. <laughs> and they, I you, thought you were going to say you, push you, the gorillas, you, but, you know. You, think. you pay them pretty well. They're well paid. And they are the boss. So they're, they should be. Yeah, they're the boss of you for the day. And when you struggle, I mean, it, we, we had a two and a half hour climb straight, straight up, up the hill. And we got to the top, and the, I mean, the gorillas are them just incredible. What do they? What incredible. do the gorillas think when they see you? They're like, "Wow, you, you know, congrats um, they, for they're, it up here. You're not supposed to get that close." And a mama gorilla woke up, and she literally walked in front of me. She she was as close mm. as you are sitting to me right now, three feet away, four feet away. It was it was it's one of those moments where you say, "I I, I could be eaten." But you know you're not going to be. No. And then when we – so I said to our, our tour guide, how do we get down? I mean because you're like looking down a mountain, oh. straight down. Mm-hmm. And he said the same way you got up and I was like, there is no way. The pusher becomes the shovel. You, you basically <laughs> slide down the mountain on your bottom. Yeah. <laughs> But that is, but the tourism is revolving around Rwanda's natural beauty, the gorillas, the volcanoes. I mean, the volcanoes are. I was just—it's amazing. You it's have the the incredible. mountains to the to the west and mm-hmm. the savanna to the east. Mm-hmm. It's just south of the equator. You can take a mini. You can take a mini safari there. I mean, I if I if I were going to do one safari in my life, I don't know that I do it in Rwanda. We safaried in Kenya and the mm-hmm. Masai Mara, and it was just incredible. But you can safari. Which brings the bigger question. Mm-hmm. We mentioned this of Africa mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard? I just come back to this because it, uh, you talk about, you know, the safaris and the, the wildlife and the natural resources mm-hmm. that this continent has mm-hmm. is absolutely remarkable. Yeah. Maybe it's countries like Rwanda that can lead the way. You know, I, I think the one thing that Rwanda does not have that's really unfortunate is they do not have uh, water. I mean, they have a lake. They have a beautiful lake, Lake Kivu. 
they're not on the ocean. They're, they're not. So everything has to be airlifted in and out. Mm. So for our business, for example, one of the unfortunate no realities. No rivers, nothing that can be utilized. You, you, it's pretty much DHL. Oh. So, DHL. <laughs> so, so one of the unfortunate realities that we have to grapple with is, you know, our, our, our air freight costs are going to yeah. be, you know, thankfully our product is light. Yeah. But, yeah, there's, you know, no shipping. With regard to your art, yes. uh, Carolina, has, has that changed because of your exposure to Rwanda? Do you start mm. painting more of the scenes you see mm. in, in Rwanda, or is that not part of your psyche? You know, I <laughs> – because I went through his blue period, I'm in my flower <laughs> period. Ah. Um, I've been through my barn period, my rooster period. I'm in my flower period right now. And I, I – the, the thing – the thing that Rwanda has, as far as natural beauty, they have beautiful flowers. And so um, when I teach, I do work with the children in the, in the villages there how to paint. Um, it, it really, as an artist, broke my heart to learn that they had never held a These kids had never held a crayon. They didn't know colors. There was a 16-year-old boy I met when I taught them painting. He, he held up a lavender crayon and said, what's this color? I mean, mm. I just wept. You know, we hand our kids in in preschool a box of Crayolas yeah. with like 200 crayons in them, and they know all their colors by the time they're four. So that was heartbreaking. But the one, you know, when I when I work with them on painting, the one thing that they could do is they could walk to the flower gardens with me, and I could teach them how to paint flowers. So, has my painting been influenced by the scenery there? I don't think per se, mm. um, but definitely um, my desire to keep. Mm. Adding beauty in whatever you know way I can, large or small, is grown probably. Well, it's been a remarkable. We thank you so much, Caroline, for coming in thank and you. sharing this with us. It's an unusual story, and mm. that's why I'm so interested to talk to you. And I, I should mention, uh, Brian, that when I saw Caroline and her husband uh, Ernie, we were out at a lake in <laughs> in Connecticut, and. She said, oh, well, let's go swimming. So we went swimming. She said, how about we go out, out to the lake there? So I thought she was pointing to this pontoon, uh, floating pontoon that was about 50 yards away. And we swam past that. And we just kept going. And Carolina apparently can swim the English Channel every day. Got two and athletes over here. So no, I was like slowly but surely sinking below the, below the waterline. And, and Carolina was like, are you okay? You want to go back? And trying to be macho. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And we, I don't know how far we swam, well, but my goodness. Day. It was a I did the same day. thing to my husband on our first date. I wanted to <laughs> test his metal. So, <laughs> no, it was a great day. And, that, you know, we're blessed. Yeah, we're blessed. we truly we really are. are. And, and thank you again, Carolina. Oh, we pleasure. wish you continued thank success you. in Rwanda thank and you. all that you do. And you. hopefully you can come back and update Love us on, on how Love it's going to. and the other, the other project you're Love working to. on as well. That would be terrific. To. Thank uh, you Carolina so much. Fernandez, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this podcast, the Ashley Webster Experience. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you back here next time.